Hey friends, I have a new ad partner that I think you're going to love because I already love them. And that is Stitch Fix. Stitch Fix sends style so good that you can feel it. They deliver all the confidence that comes with a truly amazing outfit without any of the work. With Stitch Fix, you get a stylist who understands your style, your size, and your budget, and they do all the shopping for you. It's the easiest way to transform your wardrobe. I feel like they just get me. They do get you. They just knew what would look right on me, and I hate taking stuff out. Yes. So it's like Christmas when you open that box, and you're like, how did you know? Exactly. It is Christmas, and I cannot wait till my next one. So go ahead, take the leap, do Stitch Fix, get your own personal stylist, and feel as bougie as we do these days using Stitch Fix, but not for a crazy price because they get your budget. Get started today at stitchfix.com slash naked. That's stitchfix.com slash N-A-K-E-D. Stitchfix.com slash naked. Hello and welcome back to the Naked Marriage Podcast. We are Dave and Ashley Willis and on this podcast, we undress the truth about sex, intimacy, and lifelong love. And before we dive into today's episode, which is amazing, I'm so excited because we have a special guest. But before that, I want to share a review with you. It is entitled Life Changing, five stars from Sarah Adham 17. And she says, my husband found this podcast and told me that I ought to give it a try. We thought we had a good marriage, but now that we've been listening to Dave and Ashley for a while and practically applying what we're learning, we know that we can have a better marriage and we're doing things We were doing things that damaged our relationship and intimacy that we didn't even realize. We are closer than ever, and we talk about Dave and Ashley all the time. My husband says they're like our really close friends, only they've never met us. LOL. Thanks, Dave and Ashley. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. I hope to meet you one day, maybe at one of our XO marriage conferences, but we just appreciate you guys so much for leaving us reviews. And if you want to leave a review, you can leave it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Well, Dave's going to tell us about today's awesome special guest. Yeah, like if you're, a lot of you are just listening to this. So if you're on iTunes, Spotify, we're glad you're listening. But today you're not getting the full experience (laughs) because I'm sitting live in the studio with this like super handsome man who looks like he could be like a a hair model also. And you're like, who is this guy? Who's this movie star that's sitting next to Dave and Ashley? Well, I'm glad you asked. His name is Dr. Jacques de Bruckert. He's uh, the, the husband of one, one of our, our team members, Rebecca DeBruckert, who's right here in, in the studio with us That's as well. Right. Um, but, uh, but Dr. DeBruckert is like, he is an expert on uh, one of the most important topics that people write in about, and that is uh, addiction issues. And, and also included with that, wrapped into that, is past trauma. And we're going to talk today about how those two things go together. He has got like just an incredibly impressive resume. Uh, he's you know he's practicing doing counseling therapy in two different states right now, Virginia and Texas. Seventeen years experience. Uh, the dude's like a, you know he's a martial artist. He's a personal trainer. I don't know how he has time to do it all. Like uh, his his entire resume and list of where he's gone to school, it is so impressive. It looks like twenty people combined their resume <laughs> and put it into one. And this guy has done it all, right? But even more importantly, he has such a pure heart to help people. And what he's going to share today with us on this podcast is uh, is is going to be life-changing. It yes. really, really, truly is. And I'm so excited to have him here. So, Dr. DeBruckert, thank you for being here. Thanks. Let's dive in. 
I'm so excited about this episode. And as you guys heard in the intro, we're here with Dr. Jacques de Bruckert, and I am thrilled to be able to have this conversation because so many people have written into us or grabbed us at live events and said, listen, I love what you guys talk about, but our issue is kind of outside the realm of many of the normal topics because addiction is ravaging our marriage, our family, and and we don't know what to do. And we talked some about addiction on past episodes. You know, my friend, uh, our friends, Eric and Kristen Kennedy came on and shared their personal testimony, but we've never been able to address it with an expert, uh, with someone on the clinical side and with just tons of education and experience to be able to help us unpack this complex issue. And so I'm so honored to to have, have Jacques here with us today. And so first off, just Thanks. Thank you for coming, you know, flying across the country to be here live with us. Yeah. Yes. But I I appreciate the opportunity because I think that um, my experience in the clinical setting is showing that, that, you know, it it does just rip marriages apart. Mm -hmm. And so um, every chance I can get to to get that word out that there's some there's some hope and there's some some possibilities for healing out there. It's great. So thanks for having me. That's awesome. And, you know, I think kind of our first thing that we need to talk about here is, you know, what exactly is addiction? Like, how do we know if our spouse is addicted or if we ourselves are addicted? And that that line that gets crossed. Yes. Because we do we do have substances that we can use. Alcohol, for mm-hmm. example, is legal and we can use that. Right. Um, but when does it become a problem? And I think one of the issues um, that's that's difficult for people to understand is when did it become an addiction versus mm-hmm. when am I just using it? So um, I'll give you an example. I've had clients come into my office and they, they will say themselves that they understood that it became addictive when they went, let's say with alcohol, when they went from, they were drinking at, at night, they might have a drink or two, to during the day and then they found themselves drinking in the morning. And, and it's the out of the out of place usage mm-hmm. that then that becomes an understanding that an awareness that, that it has become an addiction. Right. Um, but addiction is the compulsivity part part of it. So the compulsion to use, and you're not using um, for social reasons. You, you go to a party, whatever. You're using to cope. Right. And and it's the coping part of it that that's where that line starts to get crossed um, into addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have to be, as I say, it doesn't have to be you're pushing your belongings around in a shopping cart right. with 15 layers of clothing on, you know, and you've lost everything. That mm-hmm. that certainly is addiction. But addiction is the compulsivity to use to be able to cope with whatever is is bothering you, whatever is, is wrong. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that can certainly have not only a tremendous impact on an individual, but, you know, for the context of, of what we're talking about today, specifically on a marriage. So what are some of the ways that that type of addictive behavior, specifically as it relates to, to substance abuse addiction, can um, can really impact a, a marriage? Well, to borrow from, from John Gottman, um, the idea of, of a marriage where you're turning towards each other. Um, and, and in marriage, we turn towards each other when we're looking for support and help right. and love, even in times of, of severe trouble. But when you start turning away from each other, and if you if you put that into the context of addiction, you're using your substance to turn towards the, the for the coping rather than your spouse, mm-hmm. and and that is a problem um, that creeps into the marriage over time. Um, and so, what what you're trying to do is to teach people that uh, you know you're turning away from from your spouse, you're turning away from that person that really should be your support, yeah. and you're using a substance um, to to find that support and that and that recovery and that feeling of 
of, of what typically is trauma. Right. Um, they've experienced mm-hmm. trauma and they, and they can't handle that. Um, so that's, that's what, I, what I have found to be an understanding for the spouse. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, let's say, you know, somebody is listening right now and they're like, you are describing me. Like, I, I just feel like whenever I'm stressed, I just want to go for that substance. You know, I want to go for alcohol or maybe it's drugs. I know you specialize in heroin and alcohol. So maybe right. some listeners, it's heroin, right. you know, and they're like, it's the secret. Maybe they haven't even, they've like really been good about keeping it from their spouse, mm-hmm. but they know that they're just addicted to it and they keep on going back to it and they feel helpless. What would you say to that person? First, that you you recognize it's a problem mm-hmm. and uh like when when someone comes into my office i, I know it's gotten bad that's yeah. why they're there so i just automatically assume it's gotten completely out of control um but when when they have lost that control they they realize they're using the substance but when they come in and i say well do you want to get clean and sober mm-hmm. they never say yes because nobody ever wants to get clean and sober mm-hmm. do you need to and, and they'll say yes. Okay. And, and it's the, the want versus need. And, and what kind of happens there is they don't see that they can do it. You know, they're lost. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what happens. And that's where the destruction in the marriage occurs is because they feel lost. They're isolated. They feel lost. They've lost control. So the, the uh, I need to get clean and sober uh, of right. whatever they're using. And, and the need then transitions to I want to. Okay. But, but the enemy has taken control of them yes. totally at that point and has, has manipulated them into thinking that, that they can do this on their own or mm-hmm. they, they don't need help or whatever. So that's where the, the, the want. No, they don't want to. Yeah. They need to. That's good. That's yeah, good. That, is, that, is, that is really good. And, and not to take this too far in another direction, but just as maybe for those listening, they're like, you know, I, I don't necessarily have a, an addiction to alcohol or drugs, but maybe I feel like I have these addictive compulsive behaviors around things that I can't quit completely, like food, mm-hmm. um, you know, that I'm, I'm turning in an unhealthy way to, you know, to, to overeating or to, you know, over overspending um, things that I, I can't stop completely the way that I, I can with, with maybe an alcohol addiction. But I recognize that there's this part of my life that's gotten out of control yeah. and I don't know how to stop it altogether, but I also don't know how to manage it. I don't want to take the, the conversation too far down that that path, but just for those who are listening that, that might think like, well, I don't necessarily have that that drinking problem, but I do have a part of my life that's gotten compulsive and gotten unhealthy. Um, what what would you suggest for folks in that kind of situation? Well, I, well I'll go down that path with you. Okay, that's good. Okay. good. <laughs> so the, the compulsion and then the, the drive to use. So l- let's understand why they're using. They're using because they feel uncomfortable. Right. I okay. feel uncomfortable, so I want to feel comfortable. And they may use something initially that makes them feel comfortable. It progresses to I feel uncomfortable all the time. And the usage of whatever they're using, it could be anything, makes them feel comfortable for a short time and then it wears off. Yeah. So that's where that, that transition occurs, where they go from being uncomfortable to feeling like they're comfortable, but then not really being comfortable after a while, so then they want to reuse their drug of choice, right. whatever that drug is. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the issue is I feel uncomfortable. I can't somehow make myself feel comfortable with my spouse because what I'm doing to feel comfortable is something that is 
I know they don't want me to do mm-hmm. or, or they're upset about me using. So right. then I'm going to hide and isolate to use because I feel uncomfortable. Right. And so now we're back to turning away versus turning towards in, right. in the marriage. Um, and, and so feeling comfortable is something that you have to tackle. And that is where now we're at the point uh, in, in my work with that person to work on what is the real problem. Yes. And it almost always boils down to trauma. Right. They've had severe trauma in their life. I've only had two people in, in the 16 years or so come into my office and deny any kind of traumatic experience in childhood. Right. Um, and I, and I, I believe them, but um, I, I know that can happen, I guess, but not in my clinical experience. Yeah. It's trauma and an unaddressed trauma. And a lot of times the spouse has no idea that their spouse has physical or emotional or phys- uh, sexual abuse in their past. They just yeah. didn't know because right. it was never talked about. Exactly. Because there's, there's shame with trauma, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, and that, and they've been pushing it down further and further and further. Yeah. And do you find, you know, in the work that you've done for all these years, you know, what does it take to bring someone in your office? Like, what is the thing that usually brings them, the person who is addicted finally to you? What is it? Um, probably one of two things, loss okay. or hopeless. Okay. They, they have lost one thing too many. Okay. Um, in their lives, they've lost their their communication, their relationship with their child, with mm-hmm. their spouse, with a sibling, with a parent. They've lost a job. They've lost. They've lost something because addiction is 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 uh, it's about loss. It's a, okay. a disease of loss, and so they've lost one thing too many. And they come in and they say, "I I, I can't. I don't know what to do. I, I lost lost my wife walked out on me, or my husband walked out, or I'm afraid they're going to." Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is the hopelessness thing. They have tried every, probably everything they can think of to cope with I feel uncomfortable and those things have not worked. And so now they just kind of, they're just stationary. They're emotionally stationary. They, they are now self-traumatizing. Their usage is traumatizing them on top of the trauma they already feel. Right. So no. they feel helpless and, mm-hmm. and ho- less than hopeful, right? Mm-hmm. So hope, hopeful is where you want to move towards, and they don't know how to get there. Right. So they seek professional help and say, I, you know, help me. Right. And that's, that's a great, yeah. that's a great healthy step. And if you're listening to this right now and you are in that situation where you feel like there's an aspect of your life specific, specifically with addiction that's gotten out of control, um, and as they say toward the beginning of the 12 steps, your life's become unmanageable as, as an aspect of that addiction, then reach out and get help to someone like Dr. DeBruckert or someone in your area or we're going to talk more as we move through this about those kind of specific action steps. But before we get there, I, I want to ask kind of the, the million-dollar question for those who've written us. And most of those who've written us, they're not necessarily the one who is addicted. They're the spouse of the one who is yes. addicted. And the question, and we've heard it a hundred different ways from a hundred different people, is, you know, my spouse is dealing with this addiction, be it alcohol or whatever, fill in the blank. And I don't know what to do to help get them to a place of, of wanting recovery or recognizing the, the desperate need they have for recovery. So this, this addiction is, it's hurting them. It's potentially killing our marriage. I don't want to enable this behavior by just staying, staying in it and not forcing a change, but I also don't want to do something that's going to push them further down this road of addiction. And so, um, what would you suggest to that spouse who's listening to this, who the, the whole reason they're listening, perhaps the majority of the people listening right now are in that boat. They're they're saying, my spouse doesn't seem to realize what a crisis this behavior is. 
I feel helpless. I don't know what mm-hmm. to do. What, what, what can I do? Well, that's, and, and that's an interesting point because the, the spouse comes in and feels like they've been victimized mm-hmm. by the addict. Sure. Right, yes. That's not the truth, mm-hmm. right? So the spouse comes in and they're at the end of their rope um, and, and they've, they, they think they've tried everything and the person just keeps using. So they're viewing the addict as the problem. The addict is not the problem. The, the addiction is the coping mechanism that the addict's using, but they keep focusing on that addict, their spouse, and saying, you, husband or wife, you're causing all these problems. You're causing this marriage to fall apart. You're the, the problem. So what you've done is you've stigmatized your spouse. Yeah. The fact is that addiction is the enemy. The spouse is not the enemy. And so two people who are facing a common enemy can then take that enemy yes. on. If, they're, if the enemy yeah. has manipulated you into thinking that your spouse is the problem, now you're going after the spouse and the spouse is going to get defensive. Mm-hmm. Well, you, okay, the enemy wins. Right. Right? The, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Mm-hmm. So now you've turned your spouse into an enemy and you're stigmatizing them. So they've got no choice but to be defensive and to counterattack or to retreat. And so then they will run. Mm-hmm. Because they want to use, because that's what the enemy keeps telling them to do. Yeah. And then the spouse keeps pursuing. So as, as a spouse, there's really only one way you can look at, at this. It is a fight for your spouse, for your marriage, not against your spouse and against your marriage. Yeah. So you are either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. There is no gray area in addiction recovery treatment right. at all. You're either part of the problem or part of the solution. And if you think that your spouse is the problem... Now you have a problem yourself, yeah. right? And you're going to be spinning around in circles. Mm-hmm. So the enemy works his way into your spouse's brain and tells them, you know, yes, keep using, keep using. Mm-hmm. And then you as a spouse are standing there helplessly watching this and, and you're lost. And you don't understand that what you should be doing is partnering with that spouse yes. in that recovery process. So, and it's funny, I will get one or the other spouse in my office but not both at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, if, and, and so I'm talking to either the, the, the spouse who's the enabler or the, the, you know, right. the, the, the non-sober or the non-addicted one, and then I'll have the, the spouse that's the addict, but it's hard to get them in together. Mm-hmm. Once I get them in together, I can start talking to them about the idea of, you know, you're fighting a common enemy and it's not him or it's not her. Right. It's this other entity over here who's using addiction as a weapon against your marriage. And against you, mm-hmm. and so that that transition then then brings hope into this fight. Wow, yeah. man! I mean, my mind's spinning it's as huge. you say that because that yeah. that mentality is a game changer in all parts of marriage. When you realize we're always on the same team, right. we're never each other's enemy, and whatever struggle we're facing is is a common enemy that we can fight together. Right. But specifically to the context of addiction, I've never heard it described that way, and I think that is. That's a game changer. Right. And not making it a personal attack. Because like you're saying, it's like another level or layer of trauma, you know, because they feel, you know, they feel helpless to their addiction when they're in the midst of it. And then their spouse who who understandably is frustrated and is is angry and feels wrong. Like you said, they feel victimized and they have trauma. They're they're traumatized by what's been going on from seeing their spouse constantly give in to this addiction and do maybe terrible things because of it. You know, a lot of times when people are addicted, they will mistreat their spouse. You know, their their personality is totally different. 
give it right. All the right. Time. I mean, I mean, it's it's like they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, you know, there's different extremes of it, and I know you you see it all, but it's just not it's not how it's supposed to be and it's not healthy and they see that and they're like, yeah, you keep on doing it and you keep on choosing this this drug or this substance over our family. And so it's understandable, you know, that they feel that way. But I love how you, when you can take the personal attack out of it mm-hmm. and know they're in your corner. You know, we always say, it's never his problem or her problem. It's always our problem. Right. But for some reason, when it comes to addiction, people don't see it that way in marriage. No. Because they're a, like, well, I'm not the one going doing heroin. Fail, I'm not the fail, one. Failure of will. Exactly. It's a, it's a, it's a failure of willpower. Right. And, yeah. or, you know, so they, yeah, to, to move it away from from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what's really interesting is the, the spouse that is uh, not the addict, um, they always look at it like they're angry. Yeah. They're angry. They're angry. The addict... Is never angry. They're 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 getting beat on all the time. Mm-hmm. So finding finding a way where you can work through to the point where you reengage in a loving way toward your spouse, which is really hard when they're always drunk when you come yeah. home, or they're disappearing for three days at a time because they're going out and getting heroin and then showing back up again. It's really hard to be loving towards that person. Right. But that is when you really need to be loving in a marriage, mm-hmm. right? In sickness and in health. Mm-hmm. Okay, not just health. Health is easy. We're healthy. We're fine. Right. We're, we're okay. Mm-hmm. It's when in sickness. And you wouldn't do, it's, it's funny. You wouldn't do that to somebody who had a heart attack. Right. Or had yeah. cancer or was in a car accident and was paralyzed. You wouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, start going after them personally or, or blaming them. So reengaging in that lovingness is really hard to do when addiction is the tool that, that the enemy's using. Yeah. I love learning. I know that sounds nerdy and dorky, but I just love learning. I love understanding history and how things fit together and what's happening in the world. But if you're like me, you're busy and it's hard to learn. It can be expensive to learn. Maybe you want to keep learning and growing. You're like, I don't know how to fit that into my schedule. I got the perfect solution for you. And it's Hillsdale College. Hillsdale College is a world-class accredited university that's offering some of their core courses for free. I mean, absolutely free. They're just wanting to spread knowledge here. I'm telling you, it sounds too good to be true, but it really is true. They're making it possible for you to learn about world economics and things like ancient Christianity, which I highly recommend. It's an 11 lecture course where you study the inspiring stories of Christ and his apostles and the faithful ones throughout the first centuries of Christianity, plus learning the the basics of Christian apologetics. And guys, you can do this for free. I'm so excited about what Hillsdale does. I love their commitment to faith and values. And you can take part in this by going to hillsdale.edu slash naked to enroll at no cost. And it's easy to get started. It's H-I-L-L-S-D-A-L-E dot E-D-U slash N-A-K-E-D to register. That's hillsdale.edu slash naked. One goal we've had as a family lately is to try to just eat healthier. And junk is sometimes more convenient. And we're eating unhealthy, not because we want to, but it's just because it's what's easy to grab. But then came along Thrive. That's right. Thrive Market is helping us in really simple, practical ways. And as a Thrive Market member, we save money on every single grocery order. On average, we save over 30% each time, which I mean, I don't know about you, but I love saving money. They even have a deals page that changes daily and always has some of our favorite brands, which right now we are loving the Hum brand, zero 
zero sugar kombucha. And so check those out. Go to Thrive Market, join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash naked for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash N-A-K-E-D, thrivemarket.com slash naked. How would you help a, a spouse navigate when that that they want to love their spouse, they want to help them through this addiction, but the addiction has gotten to a place where the sober spouse feels physically unsafe, where mm-hmm. perhaps the way that that person is responding in their addiction when they're high or when they're drunk or when when they're using is in such a way where they're that the the addicted spouse's personality has changed so much and their response is, to the the drug is violence and they or their children don't feel safe mm-hmm. in the home. Right. How do you encourage that spouse to get safe physically while at the same time, even if there has to be some distance to continue to try to help their addicted spouse and continue to try to preserve the marriage, even in that that delicate balance of finding safety and space when it's needed, but not at the same time turning your back completely on your spouse, recognizing that they're sick, it's just a, it's a complicated dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, so how how does that person respond? In a in a single word, boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yes. Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. The the tough love version of it. Um, part of the problem, part of the solution. All right. The the solution is boundaries. And if you're unsafe, if you feel unsafe, then you have to put a boundary around that. Yes. Call the police. Mm-hmm. Leave the house restraining orders, mm-hmm. whatever it takes. Remember, we're trying to, well, I'm saying we, <laughs> as a clinician, yes. I'm trying to maybe help that person get to that that bottom that they got to bounce around on and lose that one thing, right? Yeah. But what happens is the addict then starts manipulating the, the other spouse into um, making it their problem. I'm drinking, but it's your problem. Yep. And so that that's a real common tactic. And, and again, we're fighting an enemy. We're not mm-hmm. fighting the spouse, right? But right. boundaries, you have to put boundaries down to eliminate things that are dangerous to your fam- to your to your children, to yourself. Yes. And and so it's like no, you can't be here if you're using. No, you can't. And then I spend a lot of time in my practice trying to get people to to move towards putting a boundary down and they don't want to because they feel like that's attacking the addict and that's unfair and they make me feel bad when I do that. Mm-hmm. But that's exactly what you have to do. So picking up the police, they're, they're coming after you and you feel physically threatened, call the police. Yeah. And, oh, I can't do that. I can't, I can't do that. Right. Yes, you can. And you have to. Right. Um, you know, the kids are not safe. You have to leave. Oh, I can't, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. What will the kids think? I don't know. They've got a crazy addict in your house. What do right. you think they think now? You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. No, that's, that's, that's good. It is. I know that's such a tough place to be. And, you know, we hear from people all the time in these different kind of dynamics. And I think one of the trickiest, you know, parts are when maybe there's, there's not this clear, like there's violence. And I know that's hard enough for them to make that decision when there has been violence mm-hmm. to be safe or to call the police or to, to leave, you know, whatever, whatever step needs to happen. But like, what about those, those couples where a spouse is clearly an addict? Like, like, for example, I'll just, I'll go ahead and share the story. So I heard from a woman her husband smokes pot all the time, like all the time. Right. And and it obviously changes his personality. Mm-hmm. And she said he's good in a lot of ways with doing certain tasks, but then he's gone a lot going smoking pot with his friends. Check right. It's like the thing that he does. And now it's a it's a legal substance now, most places. In and some so places, it's, yeah. It's not so it's 
it's tricky though. Because right. it is, sometimes it is legal. I can't remember where they live, but she was just saying how it's affecting, like she feels just like what we've been talking about. She feels like he's choosing this lifestyle mm-hmm. of going and smoking pot all the time over their family. Right. And she's tried to articulate it to him time and time again. And all he does is he says, well, it's not affecting, you know, I, I put the kids to bed and I'm bringing home money. Right. And and she's like, well, it's more than that. I want to be with you and I don't want you to be high. And then she even, you know, said, took it further and she said, and then I found out that he's been doing it longer than I realized. And so now I don't even know if I ever really knew my husband. I mean, it's that whole other layer. Yeah, I sure. mean, that's, what, what do you say to someone like that? Obligatory responsibilities in a marriage do not make up a marriage. You know, if, right. if it's about procreating and then raising another human being in a building, that's not a marriage. <laughs> right. I don't believe, right? Right, right. yeah. It's, You're exactly it's, right. It's, it's, more, it's certainly more than that, for right. sure. <laughs> so the, the concept of marriage is, is a bonding of two people in, in a loving, caring relationship and working through that. So they have checked out. And, and addiction is a disease of, of progression, some drugs take longer to progress to the point of destruction. Alcohol is one of those. Marijuana is one of those. Yes. Heroin, crack cocaine, pretty rapid ascension into destruction. So um, like, for example, alcohol, that could be 15 or 20 years before it becomes serious problem. Right. Um, I believe we'll find the same thing to be true with marijuana. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you do? Well, uh, you know, yes, they were using before. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, but being checked out in the marriage again, is something I deal with in my practice when I'm working through the addict's life with them as to what they're doing. And they are destroying the marriage. Um, they just don't, they don't want to know that. They don't want to, he- they don't want to hear it out loud. Right. And, and for them, you know, a lot of times when they, <laughs> the first time they say, I'm an addict, you know, they're choking. Yeah. And, and it's shocking. But they've been doing it for, I don't know, eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I've forgotten what your question was. What was the question? No, like? I love it. And everything you're saying is good. I, I think that this wife, you know, she was saying she doesn't know how to help him see oh, what see, she's yeah. trying to say because I, he's like, I'm not, you know, like, like you used I, the I'm expression. I'm doing what you, I should be doing. But, I, right. right. Like I'm doing the, certain tasks and she's like, you're missing it. I want to know you. Right. I want to connect with you. And you just keep on getting high. Well, that's where, that's where really good, competent, um, addiction therapy, counseling, or recovery, yes. you know, helps. The person who is experiencing that on the, on the receiving end, um, I, the first thing I ask them is, well, are, are you going to Al-Anon? Yes, you yes. Know, no, what is that? And, right. you know, it's, it's for the families. Mm-hmm. And when you go, you're not going to get answers, but you're going to feel in part of a community and it's going right. to take a while. So I want you to go five times before you tell me what you think. Right. Don't go once. Go five times, five different meetings, and tell me what you think after that. They, they need to understand what addiction is because they're a victim of addiction. And to go back to what I first said, they're a victim just as much as the addict is. And so the crazy behavior of an addict is going to be out there. But, you know, when, when you experience it, you, you, it's crazy making. You know, it's gaslighting. Yeah. It's, it's all the passive-aggressive stuff. Mm-hmm. So those tools that are used um, to, to manipulate the whole situation, they need to understand what, what is going on there. And, yeah. and the only way you can do that is if you get in a group and you hear other people explaining the same exact situation that you're in and you start to feel – and you say something. You know, and in, and in Al-Anon, there's no crosstalk, just like in AA or NA. Okay. So I, I can say something and you can't respond to it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and the first time they speak – and they look around the room and they're seeing people nodding their heads and they're like, 
you know, they feel felt. Right. And, yeah. and it's probably the first time because they've been isolated just like the addict. Yeah. So that's an important part is, is, is feeling felt and feeling connected, being in a community. And I'm hoping for people who are listening right now, even just in listening to this, you're feeling, you're feeling felt, you're feeling heard yes. that, that like, oh my goodness, I'm not crazy. Like mm-hmm. that, that they're, they're describing what my life looks like, what my husband or my wife is doing. And I've yeah. felt like I was the only one or I was, I was doing something wrong or so. I'm just, this is so, this is so healthy. And yes. I hope that this is a liberating first step towards health for, for a lot of people who are listening. Because you don't, you don't have to suffer with this. You don't, it doesn't have to go on. It's getting the proper help, whatever that is, how in your community, wherever you are. And, yeah. you know, the ability to reach out for help is not limited to just walking into a room or walking into a doctor's office. You can get online yes. and get help in real time. Um there are, there are all kinds of AA, NA, Al-Anon meetings online all around the world. So if I wanted to go to a meeting um, to, because I wanted to jump into some you know recovery community, I could do that with a meeting in England yeah. or Australia mm-hmm. if I wanted to. You know, right. you could you can find anywhere. You can certainly walk into the rooms. Uh, that's what we refer to when you go to AA or sure, NA. Sure, sure. You, you can do that. You can find somebody who is an addiction specialist in your community that, that understands addiction and recovery. You can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to be isolated, but isolation is the primary tool that the enemy uses yes. to destroy that marriage. And if you fight against the enemy, you fight against isolation, you fight against manipulation, you fight against anger, mm-hmm. destruction, you will win. Right. I love that. I mean, so many tools that you already shared with us, especially getting with other people. I think, like you said, just knowing you're not alone and having people who can also share their stories, what, what's worked, what hasn't worked. But are there any books or, you know, any books that you would recommend for the spouse that is trying to understand their spouse's addiction? There's there's a book that I use frequently um, uh, because the spouse typically doesn't understand the trauma aspect of, of the, the addict's um, behaviors. Um, and so there, there's, there's a million recovery books out there, (laughs) Uh, but, but the one that's helpful for the, the spouse of an addict or in, and and I I actually change it because it's about, it's about trauma. It's the, the victim of trauma as your spouse. Um, loving the adult child of an alcoholic by Dr. Bay, um, is, is a great book. It gives an insight into why the addict behaves the way they do. And, and, and in that book, they use the term, uh, we, we, we use a lot of, um, acronyms and things, and sure. a, the ACOA, the adult child of an alcoholic, it's actually the adult child of a trauma victim. Sure. So yes. um, the the trauma victim is the one that experiences all of the, the, the torturous stuff. The spouse may not have that history, so they don't understand what it's like to grow up with a, with a mom who was borderline and screaming at them all the time and gaslighting them, mm-hmm. or a dad who's abusing mom in front of them, or, or whatever their, their issue is. Um, so it's a, it's a really good book. And, and I also have my addicts read that book too, because they find themselves in there Yeah, and it's like shocking to them that there's so much of this that is me. I didn't know, you know, they, because they never got treatment. They never addressed any of their trauma because it was shameful. Right. And to them, it's normal. You know, when you grow up a certain way and odds are, maybe you even have some other family members where that's been, that's how it was. And maybe even your parents' parents, you know, I mean, it's, it's like, Sometimes this has been going on for a while and you don't know any different. You, right. know, you have no uh, idea. 
Yeah, that's no, not I've, normal. I've, I've had to describe a, 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 somebody who was Italian and they lived in an Italian neighborhood in New York and everybody was slapped around and everybody, and yeah. that's what he said. It was like, well, that's what we, you know, everybody was like that. I'm like, whoa, what? this is <laughs> traumatic, you know? And they, oh, well, you know, it was not a big deal. And uh, well, no, it was. And we started drilling down and, and wow. it's a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and or, or even worse, the sexual abuse, because that mm. does not get talked about. The families, a lot of times, just ignore it. They don't want to talk about it. They don't yeah. want to acknowledge it. So it gets brushed under the carpet. And then when they become adults, they don't share with their spouse. A lot of times people will come in my office and they'll disclose for the first time in their adult life they were molested when they were four, five, and six years old by the babysitter. Oh, my goodness. And nobody has ever known that except for their family who yeah. didn't want to talk about it. They've been married for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, um, never talked about. Right. I mean, I had a woman who was in her late 60s described being sexually molested as a child in a horrific way. Mm-hmm. And she was married, I don't know, 40 years. And wow. the husband knew nothing about it. Wow. Wow. I mean, yeah, just getting to the bottom, like you said, of, of trauma that is causing, most likely causing this addiction yeah. is huge. You know, I, this has been amazing. Like I know oh, it's gonna yeah. be so helpful to yeah. so many people. So thank you so much for sharing all and, this. Yeah. And I, and I just hope as a next step, you know, the, those who are listening, Number one, they know healing's possible. Yes. You know, I mean, I, I, you know, we, we talk about a savior on here, Jesus, who through him, all healing is possible. And a big part Absolutely. of the healing solution he has is, is through community. You know, mo- when you read the Bible, so much of, of healing that takes place, heal, it, it heals within the context of community and relationships. And so some of these groups uh, that Do- Dr. DeBrucker just talked about, um, reach out to those as a great starting point. Uh, take action, knowing that you're not alone, knowing that you're heard. Is, is a huge first step. And, and I hope that for some listening that have experienced that childhood trauma, um, let this be a, a moment to just give you that little bit of courage to start sharing your story. And you'll find such freedom as you begin to share it and, and the healing that comes when, when, when you begin to share it, whatever that past trauma mm-hmm. uh, might be. Um, I want to thank uh, Dr. Jacques de Bruckert again for being on here. And Doc, tell us, you know, uh, Anything, any kind of like final words, any final words of wisdom you want to share? And then also, you know, let people know uh, if you want to let them know uh, in your area where they can contact you for specific counseling or other broader resources you recommend. The floor is yours. Okay. <laughs> well, I, you know, there's two there's two parting things. Like to, to say what you said about community, we have a lot of saints in recovery. And one of them is individuals don't get sober, groups do. Community. You've got to be in the community. That's what the whole AA model is based on is community. NAAA, Al-Anon, and any of those, it's be part of the group. Don't isolate. So mm-hmm. that's one. The second one is that, um, well, no, I've forgotten the second one. Hey, that's, that, <laughs> the that's good. The so first one was so good. Though. good. Why, need, why do you need a second one? The first one, one <laughs> counts for at least three. So, <laughs> but, uh, well, you know, we, we are just, this is, I think, one of the most powerful episodes we've ever done because yes. there's so much at stake with this topic. And yeah. you've put some handles on some some really difficult to grasp concepts for folks who are who are living in the midst of of trauma, of addiction, yes. of dealing with the spouse um, who's uh, dealing with these things. And I'm just I'm so thankful for the work you do, and I'm so thankful for um, you know for all you know all the healthcare providers, all, all the mental health professionals, all those who are working in addiction all those who are leading uh, AA groups and, you know, celebrate recovery groups at your church or whatever the groups might be, you guys are on the front lines of, of really, um, really changing 
lives. And before we wrap up, I want to thank the other people in, in the room. And by the way, if you think of that second one, feel free to. Well, I didn't, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, getting, getting help. It was getting there help. There you go. Yes, you, don't yeah, wait to get yeah, help. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. Um, find, find an addiction specialist. I, I you know, I'm, I'm a, a solo practitioner. And so my practice in, in Virginia, but I also have a practice in, in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, you can certainly, you know, seek me out. Um, Wellspring Mind Body is my practice. Um, go to meetings, mm-hmm. get the help, um, you know, find, find a way to connect into the community yeah. um, and, and don't hide. That's, yeah. you know, be brave, be fearless. I don't think we can end better yeah. than that. So be brave, be fearless, don't hide. And thank you all so much for listening, for watching, if you're watching on YouTube. And we hope you join us next time on the Naked Marriage Podcast.